Hello and welcome to Buena Vista, episode 173. <laughs> I am Ben and I am here at the Potbelly in Bel- Belconnen? Belconnen. <laughs> I didn't really think about this before I did it. Belconnen. Yes. That's right. With me is Lucy, who is currently punching me directly in the face. <laughs> Hi, Lucy. Hi. How are why, you? why am I doing this, Ben? I can't think of a single good reason. Uh, with us also is Andrew, who is currently escaping the scene on a scooter. <laughs> Hi, Andrew. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Andrew, can you answer a question for me? Sure. Why would someone get punched in the face at the potbelly? Mm. Well, um, first, first, you have to have a classic case of mistaken identity. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, and we've all had one of those, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Would you Would you say more of the time you are mistaking somebody else's identity or having your own identity mistaken? Constantly having my identity mistaken. Okay. So, um, I'm still very embarrassed about this, but uh, Elder and I went out for a, for a date night. Um, we went to like a hot pot place and it was very good. It was delicious, but it was, it was, much, um, it was much, much more like basic than we anticipated. We thought we were going to like a restaurant, you know. Um, there were no pictures online. Mm-hmm. And we got there and it was very much like a hey, here's some folding tables that you can eat at. And if you would like, you can buy a Pepsi, you know, (laughs) drink drink it out of a plastic cup. Um, Not really a a lavish dine-in experience. Um, But that also meant that I didn't uh, have any beer or anything. And I was thangin' for a beer. And so when we finished there, we we went several doors up because it it didn't take very long to have the meal. Because again, not really a (laughs) dine-in... <laughs> Not really a, a an extravagant dining experience kind of place. Um, so we went a few doors up to the aforementioned Potbelly, which I believe claims to be one of Canberra's oldest pubs. <laughs> <laughs> which means it dates all the way back to what the seventies or something. When Canberra was created. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and we went in there and had some drinks and had a few more drinks. We had a nice time. Um, we talked to the bartender a bit, because uh, he was a friendly young man, and um, was, <laughs> I was saying to him, I assume that the music on this playlist is yours, um, and he said, yes, and I said to Elna, I told you so, no, <laughs> there is no Spotify playlist that's putting on, like, Tool and... <laughs> Like Moroccan music, you know? <laughs> That's like one of those default Spotify playlists that they always push at the top yeah. of the home page. Yeah. <laughs> Chilling vibes. Hmm. Um, so, uh, there's a few other guys there. Um, we had a bit of a chat to them as well. Um, Elna wanted to have a cigarette, so she went out the back. There was like a little smoking area. I know there's, there's not really supposed to be smoking areas anymore. Uh, but the guy was like... It's cool. I'm the cool bartender and I'm your friend. Wait, there's not really supposed to be smoking areas anymore? Not in Canberra. Wow. I don't think you can smoke anywhere in any venue in Canberra. That's wild. I think there's like um, like beer gardens that you can smoke in or anything like that. Not wow. even like... Because we have... You can't have mixed use ones. Like you can drink in a smoking area, but you can't have food in a smoking area. But you guys yeah, don't have... that in Melbourne too. Like smokers areas at all. I could be wrong, but I think the smoking area is, is completely abolished. Wow. The times they are are changing. That's right. So, um, you know, we're out there talking to these guys, and then another person arrives. Uh, this guy, old, older guy in a silly Akubra and a, <laughs> and a dumb raincoat, and these other people seem to know him, and so we're all having a chat. Um, at a certain point, uh, I've had entirely too many drinks and, uh, I went inside to, to like get some water for this young guy who was having a bad time. He's taken himself off into the night to do some street vomiting. Um, and I went, he probably needs a drink and to go home. And so I went off to grab him some water. His friend is, is looking after him. And this leaves Elner alone with, uh, with this other guy. And I've gone inside Elna's come in not very long after that and said, that guy in the hat just tried to force himself on me uh, and kiss me. I would like to go now. And I said, sure, 
Give me one second. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. And in a move that was very, very uncharacteristic of me, this is a this is a thing that has has never happened before, and clearly hasn't happened since in the <laughs> two weeks since then. Um, I went. I'm just gonna jog out the back quickly and hit this guy in the face, and um, so I run out there to the, this guy with a hat, <laughs> and I knock his hat off and give him. A strong pimp hand across the face. Um, Was it once or twice? I believe when you told the story the first time that you slapped him twice in the face. I I did, but the other was with the other hand, so that he oh. didn't see it coming. Yeah, wow! Slap, powerful move. The Back old the one-two way. slap. Back the other way with the other hand because <laughs> even very though, Popeye cartoon. You know? <laughs> even though I was mad, I think you know you're not trying to like. I don't know, knock anybody's teeth out or give them a concussion. Or You're anything. trying to do funny violence to yeah. this man. <laughs> yeah. Cartoon violence. Literal slapstick. Um, <laughs> and I grab this guy and go, hey, what do you think you're doing? Kissing a man's wife. <laughs> and um, while this is happening and this man has a very confused look on his face, Elna comes back out from the bar and says, no, no, the other guy with the hat. Hmm. <laughs> It's your classic, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> really classic case. Turns out I, I did not ask about the type of hat. <laughs> well, I maybe mean, ladies should be being more specific in these yeah, cases, I you didn't, know? I, I didn't get enough information about the hat, <laughs> and I went off half-cocked. And then and what I, happened? Uh, so, while I'm turning around saying, the who? <laughs> Um, I turned back and immediately start apologizing to this guy who, while still looking very confused, has, uh, in self-defense, wound up and popped me in the mouth. Um, and I went, hey, 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 I'm very sorry. <laughs> Oopsies. And while all of this is happening, the real culprit has escaped on his e-scooter. I just can't. <sighs> if you are going to... Uh, basically assault someone. I can't think of a more obnoxious vehicle to escape on from that scene. No. And no. I imagine he was riding away going... <laughs> the perfect crime. <laughs> Little pervert. Yeah. So, you, um, you eventually... Um, did you make good with the, <laughs> the man that you did violence upon? Um, I reached out to him because uh, his friend who was feeling very poorly had... Uh, given me his details earlier in the night and I sent this guy a message saying I'm very, very sorry for striking your friend in the face uh, when he didn't do anything wrong at all. Um, he punched me, so he wins, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I said again, I'm very, very, very sorry. He didn't do anything wrong at all and absolutely did not deserve that. Uh, and I got a message back in in a time span that would indicate that somebody had spent like a very solid 14 hours being very hungover, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, saying, yeah, I talked to him and neither of us remember any of this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was you so, who did the perfect crime. Yeah, oh. so he said, uh, no, no harm done at all. Um, <laughs> he said he's really sorry for punching you. And I said, no, no, he should not be sorry at all. Some wild-eyed dipshit came barreling out of the back door and started smacking him around. He didn't do anything except for be very nice to us all evening. You know when uh, people <sighs> you sort of talk about how to have the concept of toxic masculinity, you kind of also need the corollary, like, positive masculinity? Mm. And I think mm-hmm. this is a perfect example of that. <laughs> yeah, it is. Maybe not the uh, walking up to a guy and slapping him in the face so much as the uh, the ability to live and let live after having tried to hurt each other. <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> really beautiful. Oh, look. I just... I don't know. Been, uh, there's also been, you know, a handful of times where toxic masculinity being what it is, where, like, Elna has been groped by guys at bars or parties or whatever... And you sort of go, ah, oh, hey, don't. Like, <laughs> I would prefer if men did not do that, personally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And, it, but yes, it has never been my policy to immediately start trying to fight somebody because that also seems really dumb. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily going to achieve anything 
uh, productive. Although I, I mean, I'm sure it would feel cathartic, and that's nice. Mm. <laughs> Did for about twelve seconds, and then <laughs> until you hear the distant sound of your wife telling you, no, "You no. got the wrong guy." <laughs> Classic case of mistaken identity, and that's why you should never wear a hat to a bar. That's right. Just well, the worst part is that there were two very different kinds of hats. If I had, a, if I had have just said which hat. So, if you're saying, if your wife, had, who had just had a very no, unpleasant no, no, experience, no. used I'm, one extra no, word. You I'm should not, have asked. I'm not blaming her at all. I'm saying I should have asked for more details about that. Mm. I, I hear you, and I empathize, and I sympathize. I have one follow-up question. One Please question. name the type of hat. What type of brim did the hat have? You listed off all the hats from that article we did about that bank robber guy. <laughs> <laughs> Was it like a sort of felt hat? Oh, dear. Ah, oh, speaking of men who do a lot of sex offending. Oh, yeah. Does that work? Wow, <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait, was the second half of that sentence going to be NRL players? NRL players. Yeah, what there it is. What are they up to? <laughs> that was beautiful. Are we, um, are we officially considering this a plainly speaking? Well, it's- I think it's a plainly Dr. Lucy. Mm. Okay. Which yeah, really we don't combined. have a theme song for. But you can imagine one. Yeah. If you can conjure in your mind right now a synthesis of the plainly speaking and the paging Dr. Lucy themes, that would be great. But what we're instead going to do is just probably play the paging Dr. Lucy theme because it's my favorite one. Oh. Well, I guess I could do that. Can I? I can't find I, it. There's can so many of them. Can he do it? Here it is. <laughs> if you find that you are having a little relationship trouble. Pick up your telephone and dial it on the double You call 1-800-317-5155 Now you're paging Dr. Lucy <sighs> Dear Dr. Lucy, was I right to assault a man? <laughs> <laughs> Attempting to protect my wife's honour I think your intentions were good. I think your intentions were good. But anyway. My intentions were an idiot. (laughs) 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 Oh, great. Great example, though, of why it's usually not a good idea, I think. You're saying this is an example to hold up of why violence is bad? Um, I never really thought it was bad until I accidentally slapped an innocent man uh, twice (laughs) in the face. Now I realise I was wrong. Yeah. Maybe maybe all I'm saying is that the one time out of all the times in life where I've gone, you know what? That's enough of that. Um, <laughs> I've immediately gone and fucked it right up. So. Mm. But as Lucy said, uh, I'm just an amateur, you know? Mm. I'm just an amateur in the assaulting strangers game, uh, in the, I guess... All kinds of things that NRL players get up to. They're the real pros. It's the A-League of this type of thing. And there's a story here that uh, piqued piqued our interest from the Sydney Morning Herald. Sex, drugs, and a cover-up. The NRL sits on explosive complaint. Do you want to clarify this one's not a sexual assault? It is just very funny. Yeah, well, um... Yeah, the... Yeah, sorry. This is we're speaking generally about NRL, NRL players yes. general, uh, not assaulting this guy. people. This guy not did this not time. assault anybody. If we're talking to be about clear. Yeah, yeah, sexual assaults, uh, regular assaults, uh, or basically a public nudity, uh, drug use. pissing in their own mouth. Technically, not a kind of assault. Pissing but in yeah. their own pretty mouth. Weird. Sex with other people's wives. These guys have got it covered. Mm. So uh, it says here the National Rugby League's Integrity Unit that <laughs> storied. <laughs> <laughs> they got to be busy. <laughs> they got to be real <laughs> fucking busy. A lot of paperwork. <laughs> Just imagine, like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> dragnet guys coming out, <laughs> holding tummy guns. Uh, the National Rugby League's integrity unit has been accused of turning a blind eye to the extraordinary complaint lodged more than a year ago involving a star player's toilet tryst. <laughs> toilet words, tryst. Hmm. Toilet tryst. Um, that makes. <laughs> I wish that was one word, like a ventriloquist. Mm. A toiletrist. A toiletrist. <laughs> uh, an aggrieved husband who was given prescription medication by a club official and the club's doctor who then provided a false medical certificate. Mm. So many layers to this. Really are. 
in a lengthy complaint to the Integrity Unit, which has been obtained by the Herald, one of the North Queensland Cowboys' star players is alleged to have, quote, committed a sexual act with another person, in parentheses, not his wife, <laughs> in a public toilet in one of Australia's busiest airports. I find it so funny, the need to be like, this wasn't any airport bathroom. This is an airport bathroom at one of Australia's busiest airports. I feel like uh, the busier the airport, the less I would like to have sex in one of its bathrooms. Airport bathrooms are a busy place. Tell me which airport bathroom you would most like to have sex in. (laughs) Maybe like, well, I kind of want to say like, um, you know, a very remote one that like flying doctors take off from. Mm. Maybe nobody around. But also, I don't know how often that one gets cleaned either. Like Canberra Airport, really clean, but very quiet. Not a mm. lot of traffic in there, you know? Mm. But I guess maybe in Australia's busiest airport, there might be enough ambient noise to help cover up your toilet trip. That is true. The uh, When I was in the airport bathrooms at Changi, they have like music playing in the toilets, which I appreciate. But at one point, uh, the song that they were playing when I was in there was a music version of Falling by Julie Cruz, which is the theme song to Twin Peaks. <laughs> okay. It was very odd. Just very strange. Weird stuff. Yeah, odd thing to hear in a Singapore Did airport. Another classic disorienting toilet experience for them. <laughs> All of them are disorienting for me. <laughs> uh, the team had played an away game in mid-2018, and the players were returning to Townsville via Brisbane Airport. The husband of the woman allegedly involved in the incident has made the complaint to the integrity unit via his Brisbane lawyer, John Snedden. <laughs> this is the bit that gets me. It's like, firstly, how did he find out? Did she come home and be like, how was your day, honey? Oh, mine. I had sex with an NRL player in the bathroom at Brisbane Airport. And then he's gone so mad. He's complained to the NRL about it. <laughs> I love the idea of finding, finding out that like a, a star player has fucked your wife in a toilet and going, well... The NRL is going to be hearing from me about this. Immediately sitting down at your computer and writing a sternly worded letter. I must say, to whom it may concern, (laughs) I was dismayed to hear about the acts of my wife. The man was distraught and furious when he discovered a message from the star player to his wife about their... Toilet tryst in the Qantas Lounge. Oh, Ooh. it's very specific. Mm-hmm. Qantas Lounge. Which occurred on Father's Day. Oh, oh mate. <laughs> it's rough. really rough. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> that it's that really so does rough. take it to another level, doesn't it? It really, really mm. hammers the nail in. She's supposed <laughs> to be at home by your side, uh, helping the kids give you... Terrible gifts. Just terrible gifts. Mm -hmm. Alarmed at what could become a public relations nightmare, the woman, who was employed by the Cowboys, uh uh-oh, contacted the club's then-football manager, Peter Parr, for help. Quote, on becoming aware of our client's knowledge of the sexual act, (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mr. Parr gave the husband prescription medication, quote, to help him cope with the shock. I'm so baffling. sorry. You got toilet cucked on Father's Day. Here is some prescription medication. Here's some downers, bro. It's just the strangest thing to do. It's just be like, hey, dude, I know you feel like shit. How about some, like, prescription medication? Uh, so, unbeknown to the husband, the tablets that Mr. Parr gave him were Valium. Mm-hmm. What, what else would they be? Well... Like, it's it's kind of weird to me to get given medication by somebody who says, you're in shock, you need to take this medication, yeah. and to just be like, cool. I would and, probably and be like, what is them? that medication? Yeah. Hey, quick question. <laughs> what are these? What are these? I have one teensy-tiny follow-up. <laughs> I want you to tell me what the drugs you've just given me are. <laughs> I'm sure I'll find out at some point. <sighs> Mr. Parr, who is currently the manager of the New South Wales State of Origin team, admitted to the Herald that he gave the husband the tablets. He said that on the night of September the 5th, the husband was at Mr. Parr's home in a very distressed state. Have you seen this message? The toilet. The toilet. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Parr denied that the tablets were his or that he knew they were Valium. Okay. (laughs) So he didn't know either, apparently. Uh So... 
Who this needs is to not know just that kind of thing? A guy right? giving a guy some pills and not telling the guy. It's a guy who doesn't know what the pills are, giving a guy some pills and then not telling him what the pills are because he doesn't know. Um, <laughs> he denies that they were his or that he knew they were Valium. He claimed he had, quote, swung by the doc's place mm-hmm. on the night to get something to help the husband sleep. They weren't mine. I don't have Valium in the house. Panadol and cough medicine is all I have, he said. Okay. You can't even get the good mm-hmm. cough medicine anymore, you know. The husband, a long-haul truck driver, subsequently tested positive for benzodiazepine as part of a routine workplace <sighs> drug test. <sighs> Fucking hell. This oh, is like the worst time of this guy's entire life. He's having a rough one. Oh, also, truly- what did you think was going to help you sleep, sir? I feel like long-haul truck drivers should be asking more questions about what they put in their bodies. Mm. Famously selective about putting drugs in their bodies, (laughs) long-haul truck drivers. That's right, right. they hate drugs. (laughs) Dr. Chris Ball, who runs a sports clinic and is the team doctor for both the Cowboys and the national team, came forward to claim, falsely, that he had personally consulted with the husband on the night of September the 5th. Mm -hmm. Quote, the husband had experienced a family crisis. (laughs) (laughs) A toilet cucking, you can say it. And was stressed and unable to sleep, said Dr. Ball in a medical certificate to be provided to the husband's employer. That's a bad look for a, a doctor, I'm going to say. It's pretty rough. Dr. Ball, of all people. To explain the lack of any written prescription for the medication, Dr. Ball stated in the medical certificate that he, quote, does not prescribe benzodiazepine medication. And that on this occasion, quote, I gave the husband a sample quantity of four diazepam tablets to help <laughs> facilitate sleep. Yeah, four will help facilitate that. It sure will. Yep. Four will help facilitate a small coma. My goodness. On September 25th, Dr. Ball was contacted by a medical officer on behalf of the truck driver's employer. That doctor noted that the, quote, recent prescription for benzodiazepines on the background of acute crisis and poor sleep and requested further information as to the medical fitness of the husband (sighs) to continue his job. As a truck driver. Oh, goodness. This is such a horrible chain of events. It's so bad. On his sports clinic NQ letterhead, Dr. Ball replied the same day, I have not prescribed any more medication. He is sleeping well and is not needing ongoing treatment or medication. I've been around to his house. I've watched him sleep for many hours. <laughs> he is sleeping like a baby. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, guidelines issued by the Australian Medical Association stipulate that, quote, doctors who deliberately issue a false, misleading or inaccurate certificate could face disciplinary action under the Health Practitioner Regulation National Law. Mr. Snedden, whose client has never met Dr. Ball, disputed Mr. Parr's claim that the football manager left his home late at night to go to Dr. Ball's premises to obtain medication for the husband. Uh, Mr. Snedden has provided the medical certificates to the NRL and has informed the NRL's integrity unit that Dr. Ball is the subject of an investigation (laughs) by the medical watchdog, APRA, the Australian Health Practitioner Regulation Agency. APRA and the (laughs) Oh-Ho said that due to, quote, confidentiality provisions, they were unable to comment to the Herald on individual matters. However, Mr. Parr confirmed to the Herald that Dr. Ball has been the subject of an inquiry by medical authorities and that he had provided the regulator with an account of what had occurred on the night. Dr. Ball did not reply to the Herald's emails. In hindsight, said Mr. Parr, of his provision of Valium to the husband, quote, I wouldn't do it again. (laughs) (laughs) But at the time, he was dealing with a very stressful situation. He sure was. A real toilet cucking. A Father's Day toilet cucking. You see, Your Honor, this man had been hyper-cucked. Just truly... A cucking for the ages. Many levels of cucking. The couple's relationship never recovered. And at one stage, the wife called police expressing concerns for her and the player's safety following her husband's discovery of the affair. No charges were laid. Mr. Parr, who was recently appointed to the Cowboys board after stepping down as the manager, acknowledged that both he and Dr. Ball should have informed the integrity unit about the investigation by Queensland medical authorities. Well, I think usually most of the time when you get investigated for a crime, what solves it is if you say afterwards, I probably should have told you about that. (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) Oh, boy. Registered NRL personnel have an obligation to report matters which may bring the game into disrepute. (laughs) Given that engaging in a sex act in a public toilet is a potential criminal offence constituting an act of public indecency, Mr. Parr also agreed he should have notified the integrity unit of the alleged inappropriate behaviour of the star player. Mm, We wouldn't want to damage the integrity of the NRL, would we? 
God forbid. <laughs> You'd hate to bring that game into disrepute. Whew. Uh, in late 2018, the husband sent the following text message to the player's wife. Um, I know you wouldn't like me texting you, but I feel no one but you could understand how I am feeling. I only found out today his wife gets to keep her job. Oh, his own wife. Mm-hmm. My wife. My wife gets to keep his her job wife. at the Cowboys. His <laughs> wife. Uh, Lucy and I watched Borat 2. What Very do you funny. I really enjoyed myself. I also really enjoyed it. And mm. I think um, I expressed beforehand my concern that it was going to be like um, Anchorman 2. Where as soon as it starts, you go, oh, you waited several decades before doing this. And mm-hmm. you're all so, so notably older <laughs> than you were in the last mm-hmm. movie. And it feels like you're just kind of going through the motions. Um, but in the first like minute or two of this, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen leans in really hard on like a very nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I was back in. I was back on board. <laughs> That's all it took. Yes. Um, but I think we, we will definitely, as a movie recommendation goes, we will definitely confirm that um, I think her name is uh, Maria Bakalova, is the 24-year-old Bulgarian actress who plays his daughter in the movie. Mm-hmm. Very funny. She's wonderful. All right. uh, she's very, very talented. And, and it makes a lot of sense in the movie as well, because at the very start of the movie, he goes back to America and everybody on the street is like, my name is Borat. <laughs> <laughs> so for the rest of the movie, he's Sasha Baron Cohen in character as Borat wearing a costume dressed up as like an American. Uh-huh. <laughs> so there's a lot of like Borat wearing costumes so people don't recognize him. But it also means that because he has his daughter there, that she can go and do whole scenes without him and nobody knows who she is. So it makes sense. She is the real Borat 2. You know? She sure oh, wow. is. Wow. Anyways, mm. official recommendation, Borat 2. <sighs> Continuing this guy's text message. <clears throat> I feel so gutted that nothing what her and star player have done after cheating on both of us over that Gold Coast weekend is fair. I have lost everything. My wife, (laughs) comma, family. I feel so worthless after what they have done, but to know that they will still see each other at the club is so hurtful for me. I just can't believe Parry, that's Peter Parr, Parry is covering my 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 wife's tracks and will still let her travel with the team. I feel like no one gives a fuck about how we might feel about it. I guess I should just realize I am nobody. I'm not important to anybody, especially to my wife, the Cowboys, and obviously that player who felt my wife was also his property. I won't bother you ever again. I promise not to ring or text again. I am sorry. He he received no reply. (laughs) This is so brutal. That guy just... That's so awful. Just having a bad time, you know? Now, I don't think any of us are probably in a position to guess which player this is. I wouldn't have a clue. I will Um, say 2018. Star Cowboys player. Jonathan Thurston's final season. He couldn't. He's a lovely man. (laughs) Don't know who that is. (laughs) Oh, my fucking God. No, it's it's fine. Don't worry about it. Do you think? It's like the greatest player to ever play the game. That would be wild. That would be very spicy. Uh, I mean, I... I'll leave it up to our uh, NRL watching listeners, uh, yeah, Dave, in particular. If you want to call in and let us know which player you think it is, uh, that would be wonderful. Hmm. Love to find out. So, obviously, that guy had a really bad time. <laughs> um, but when it comes to having a bad time, let's talk about Leonard Shoulders in this week's uh, Nature Corner Slash Omens and Portents section. You shall see hail fall from a clear sky and burn as fire upon the ground. You shall see darkness cover Egypt when the sun climbs high to noon. And you shall know that God is God and bow down to his will. And you shall have your dick snipped by a rubber crab. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was seamless. 
<sighs> so this is from The Guardian. Uh, New York City man falls into sinkhole full of rats. Oh, that's <laughs> so awful. <laughs> Just another day in the Big Apple. Only huh? in New York, baby. Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Falling into a sinkhole full of rats over here. <laughs> the city full of rats that never sleep. <laughs> Oh, anything can happen in a New York minute. We've all fallen into a sinkhole full of rats. <laughs> you just got to get on with your day. But, you know, you that's know? the attitude of New Yorkers, you know. They're just going about their business. They fall into the hole of rats. They brush themselves off. They keep going. Hey, that's but enough attitude. about New Jersey. Does that, does that work? <laughs> yeah, Any I New Yorkers so. want to get at me? <laughs> <laughs> a New York City man has fallen through a sinkhole in a sidewalk. Landing directly onto a pack of rats, <laughs> leaving him unable to scream for help out of a fear that they might crawl into his mouth. Oh. <laughs> oh. Mm-hmm. I have a mouth and I must scream, <laughs> but I'm not opening it right now uh, for reasons that should be apparent. Do you just steal a joke from Lucy from the Discord? Yeah, I already. Oh my fucking God. Fine. Look at that. Is Lucy making jokes get from away the Discord now? Mm. <laughs> Wow. In a city long used to tall tales of urban horror like crocodiles in the sewers, the real-life terror experienced by <laughs> Lenny Shoulders, 33. Lenny Shoulders. Lenny, Lenny Shoulders. Mr. Leonard Lenny Shoulders. Shoulders. He sure does. <laughs> it appeared to strike an appalled chord with denizens of the Big Apple. Shoulders was waiting for a bus in the Bronx when suddenly the concrete beneath his feet cracked open and he plummeted into a hole, breaking his arm and leg, according to his Jesus. brother, Greg White. They've got different last names, guys. What's going on? <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> I don't know if you're focusing on the right part of that sentence. <laughs> took, my, took my wife's name and became Lenny Shoulders. This man fell into a hole full of rats, breaking an arm and a leg. You're like, oh, that's weird. He's got a different surname to his brother. <laughs> yeah. Weird stuff happening in New York. <laughs> this is the thing that that really that really gets me with like um, just a lot of these stories from America over the last however many years of like just just pieces of cities just collapsing, just infrastructure like yeah, it's good stuff caving in on itself. I remember a story from. However many years ago, like a big water main bursting under um, under a street in New York and like firing all of this ash and concrete and stuff into the air and all these people having like 9-11 PTSD flashbacks and Jesus thinking that another terrorist attack was happening because uh, the street being coated like that. And it, apparently it's just because, you know, they've got uh, old, like old copper pipes and stuff that are all corroded. Uh, that are a couple of hundred years old, and nobody's doing anything about. And the same with this sort of thing. Just all the ground. They're not even maintaining away. their rat holes. Yeah. <laughs> We've only got budget for rat holes. Um, White told the New York Daily News, "Quote: He couldn't move, and the rats were crawling all over him. He didn't scream because he didn't want the rats going into his mouth." That's smart. That is very smart. Good for him. He had to, like, sign to people. I do not like the rats. <laughs> He's just sort oh. of, like, pointing to the rats and shaking his head. Yeah. I would like to be removed from the rat hole. <laughs> Firefighters eventually took half an hour to extricate shoulders from the rat-filled cavity. And he was taken to a local hospital where he is recovering. <sighs> You'd hope the city was going to pay for that one. You'd hope so. I guess Very so, much. yeah. <laughs> Who's, who's responsible for that? No? Is it the city? Is it the rats? Who knows? Is it him for not paying close enough attention to whether he was standing above a rat hole? Hard yeah. to say. Mm. Uh, I think generally as you move about the city, before you step onto the next square of concrete, you should lean out and like, tap it with your foot and see if there's a hollow sound. <laughs> <laughs> You're sort of sounding it out. Yeah. Oh, no, not there. It felt a little yeah. crumbly. It's the responsible thing to do, really. But when you're in New York, you know, everybody moves so fast. It's busy. It's bustling Copy city. Tapping your way around the city. Hi, everybody. It's me. It's Theo. Now, I guarantee you I'm more afraid of recording this promo than you are of listening to it, so hear me out. 
And if you haven't already, maybe check out our Patreon. It's a great way to support the show, and it gives us the ability to actually dedicate time to this thing. You'll get all of our bonus episodes, that's over 300 extra episodes in total, and we'll set up a feed over there with none of these promos, so you won't have to hear this ever again. You'll also get access to our Discord, uh, which honestly has turned into a, a nice and funny place full of mostly normal people to hang out with. So that's patreon.com slash buntavista. Check it out. Uh, Ben? Mm-hmm? That sounds like a terrible thing to happen to someone, and now something terrible is going to happen to us. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's uh-huh. absolutely right. Um, we haven't a, got a, a theme Ben's, song. Ben's request. <laughs> I haven't got a theme song for this segment yet, um, but the segment is called There Are Worse Podcasts Than This One, and it's like a nice way uh, to sort of remind the listener that- um, <laughs> You could be listening could to something be worse. worse. <laughs> it could be worse than this. We have our flaws, we have our faults, we'd be the first to acknowledge them. I'm just saying, this is not the worst podcast you could be listening to. And uh, today's installment of that is brought to you by a a podcast that describes itself as the best politics podcast produced by an Australian gambling company. Uh, the name of the podcast is I'm Usually More Professional, and it is sponsored by a little company called Sportsbet. Now, for uh, the American res- listener, for uh, I think like the majority of states, sports betting is illegal, right, Lucy? Yeah, well, you can't do it at least in app form. Yeah, That's whereas people. in Australia, you can... You can just open your phone and immediately deposit money into a gambling account and just have it on your cute little app there on your phone. You can it's do very healthy. literally anything you want. Children can do it and are probably encouraged to do it. And this country is, as a result, sort of controlled... By like two or three major gambling companies that have basically all of the country's wealth. Uh, they are the fucking worst. Every time the sports bet, you know how like in and before NRL games. Yeah, that they, fucking piece they, of shit guy. Yeah, they throw to the guy as if he's an expert, but it's an ad for sports bet. But they're like, yeah. and now we check in with bloody blah, blah, blah about how the odds are looking. You're like, you're just telling people that they can gamble. It's not. Yeah, you can just do that. So, imagine if one of those companies, Sportsbet, uh, took exactly that approach to uh, politics. And that is throwing to people as if they're experts, but um, they're just... They're just... Who's who's on this? (laughs) So, there Uh is Australian um, broadcasting professional and just gormless piece of shit. Joe Hildebrand. Uh, there is a disgraced former politician, Sam Dastyari. And then there is formerly of BuzzFeed, I think currently doing the Struth column for the Australian and maybe doing some reporting as well. Uh, Alice Workman. Uh, that is the three of them. Andrew, do you want to play this clip? I, I will play the clip. <laughs> I'm Thank not going to characterize it as wanting to play it, though. Make America no. Forget about the kind of... Everyone kind of talks about the Trump-Biden, you know, I think it's like $1.50 for uh, Biden to win, two seventy at the moment for Trump. That kind of moves around five, ten cents here and there. The one I think, the stuff that I think is actually really interesting is the closest state, or the kind of the yep. obscure stuff, right? They've got, like, Pennsylvania, um, North yep. Carolina, all these places, $8 for being close to state. If you think this state election is going to be remotely close, right? If Data you just pick four of them, yeah, you just need one of them to be right and you'll double. You don't need all four to work, right? So you pick the four that you think are going to be close. Having a bit of a look, Wisconsin. Yep. Remember our suburban housewives, everybody? Mm-hmm. Remember Milwaukee? Oh, yeah. Remember that other little town, Kenosha, whatever it is, where there's a few little, few little BLM Antifa types, you know, marching through the streets, setting fire to stuff. I'm a little bit worried if you call nine one one. Oh no, they defunded the police. Three bucks. For the Republicans to win Wisconsin. Now, that yeah. is higher than the 270 they're paying out just for Trump to win overall. So, I reckon, nah. cheeky little bet on that. It might not go wrong. Might not go wrong. So, Sam, is your final word that you're putting a bet on? I'm putting is a that- bet on. That's my final oh, word. Right. <laughs> my final word is gamble responsibly. Ha, 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 ha. It is so many levels of morally bankrupt. What is the most morally reprehensible part of that, do you think? Do you think it's glossing over the weird, like, snarky shit he said about Kenosha, Mm. which is where 
Kyle Rittenhouse shot three people, killing yeah. two of them? Mm-hmm. Or is it sarcastically saying gamble responsibly at the end? On your podcast, sponsored by Sportsbet. Mm. Literally turning the thing that you are required to say as a gambling company into a punchline. I, it, it is sickening to Just me. Just repulsive. Everyone involved in this is a criminal and should be in jail. <laughs> like, what is the... Who wants this? Well, I can tell you that no one in Alice Workman's replies on Twitter <laughs> wants this. <laughs> Yeah, um, I was just talking to Lucy before we recorded about Sam Dastiari and how he like could not have made it more transparent that the only thing he ever actually wanted was just to be in the public spotlight in some form. Mm. He doesn't care what it is. Um, so, as, as you said, disgraced former politician. He went from uh, being caught out very, very very openly like selling influence to foreign donors and stuff like that um had a string of scandals held on for months and months as more and more things came out uh, until finally i think the labor party said you have to go now um and then he went straight from there into i'm going to do like a, a radio show about the 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 gross underbelly of politics and all the dirty tricks people do and all that sort of stuff is like, oh, isn't it cool? I'm I'm informed about that kind of thing. Uh, and then he was on a season of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Very cool. Uh-huh. And yeah, now he's on a podcast about gambling on politics sponsored by Sportsbet. It, it seems like his whole thing was that immediately in the wake of this, he wanted to capitalize on the the notoriety by just straight up being like, haha, yeah, I did it. I'll make lots of self-deprecating jokes. Not really self-deprecating, but like I'll go on, you know, hard chat or fucking go on whatever sort of light entertainment shit and then make references to myself being mm. corrupt in a sort I'm of a jokey cool, way. I'm a cool mm. politician. Oh, just the fucking worst. Yeah, it's, it's just like collecting him and Joe Hildebrand in particular, just the worst dipshits in the Australian media, to be doing something that's just stupidly unethical and pointless. Why would you just want blankly, either of their fucking opinions about anything? Yeah, just like framed as a politics podcast, which is just blatantly an ad for a sports bets politics section. Yeah. Which I, I already don't understand how you can gamble on the outcomes of political stuff. Like... Am I am I a complete rube for thinking like, should this be illegal? Like, should, is, well, they is let it, you gamble on anything, really. Well, yeah, except that the thing that sort of gets me is like, is it is it a good idea to give people a financial incentive to try and influence the outcome of like right. specific aspects of democratic elections? It's probably not great. It but doesn't seem laws like a very probably good haven't thing to me. caught up with it yet. So here we are. With this podcast. Doesn't seem great to me. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm an idiot. Who knows? I just like... I don't know. I guess it... So, this... That is... The way their podcast works, I'm going to say, is probably not the way our podcast works in the sense of... We now... We make money off this podcast, right? Like, I I get paid a living wage from it. Uh, You guys get some, I don't know, beer money or whatever. Uh... But it's because we had a thing that we wanted to do first when we talk about stuff that we would like to talk about that we think is funny and we do it because we enjoy it. Mm. The, the greatest idea- crime of all. <laughs> Podcasting <laughs> without just getting <laughs> mad bang for it from the start. Podcasting for enjoyment. Sick. <laughs> Disgusting. But like, Live for it. If I just feel like even if I, you know, I really enjoy being able to do this sort of thing as a full-time job because the work is fun and interesting and it's nice, you know, not having a proper job. But I don't think if Sportsbet approached me and was like, hey, I'm going to give you however many thousands of dollars to do X amount of episodes for this. All you have to do is know that you are an ad for sports betting and you have to keep mentioning the the odds. Mm -hmm. Like, it just seems so fucking shit. One time where I would not be selling out. (laughs) This is the one. This is the the bridge too far for me. 
Lucy has been on record for years saying she will sell out. She will sell out immediately. This one's pretty rough, though. Oh, I just can't stand fucking listening to Joe Hildebrand. Ooh, Kenosha or wherever it is. Oh, Fuck you. That was just... I can't even... Why single out Kenosha? Of all the places, oh. if you're going to gloss past the murders that happened there... He'd have no idea either. Just a man that has no idea what the fuck he's talking about. Just wants to be on TV or on a podcast because he, you know, got fired from his Studio 10 job, I assume. And it, The Studio 10 <laughs> thing is still so funny. Just so funny. He takes himself so seriously as a political commentator and you're like, buddy, you're on like day t- daytime TV where you talk about viral Kmart product <laughs> hacks. Like, shut the fuck up, dude. Just, yeah, just... Fuck off. Carrie Ann Kennelly, Australia's most treasured racist. (laughs) And we have so many of them. We have a lot. Just asking questions. He's just asking questions. God, he is very despicable, though. Mm. And he's Uh. weird looking. That doesn't help. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he he absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, he he really has that face of like, um, of a guy who did student politics at an Australian universe in the 80s. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. University, I mean. There is a, there's a video on YouTube from, I guess it must be 2000, 2001. It is from the uh, opening night in Australia of the release of The Phantom Menace. And there's a very young Joe Hildebrand is the person from the crowd they decided to speak to talking about how oh, excited really? he is about it. It is. Oh, that's very funny. Incredible. Uh, go to YouTube.com. Look up Joe Hildebrand Phantom Menace. And if you're wondering why I have an encyclopedic knowledge of <laughs> YouTube videos featuring Joe Hildebrand, check out my Twitter sometime. <laughs> um, I just want to uh, publicly excoriate Lucy and wife of the show, my wife Elena, for uh, ruining my YouTube recommendations. Oh, the algorithm. They're fucking yeah. right on. Yeah, because, um, so, you know, I was watching something on, on the YouTube app on the TV. And because I watch, like, um, like MMA and boxing and stuff like that, you also get a bunch of, like, Joe Rogan-related recommendations for Joe Rogan talks about this fighter or that fighter or whatever. Which also means, well, because it's YouTube, everybody gets recommendations for Joe Rogan all the time, I assume. Mm. Um, And one of them was uh, Joe Rogan talking to Jordan Peterson as Jordan Peterson, like, you know, uh, busts the the gender gap myth and stuff like that. And uh, and Ella was like, oh, let's watch that. It'll be funny. It'll be funny. And Lucy was like, yeah, it'll be funny. I thought it would be funny. funny, And then we got maybe three minutes in. (laughs) And I I said, oh, but if we watch that, I'm going to be getting force-fed Jordan Peterson videos by YouTube for the rest of time. It would get way worse. Like a day later, it'd be like, do you think women should be exterminated? (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, lo and behold, put this thing on and he says, well, the funny thing is about universities in Canada... (laughs) And, um, and and both the girls are immediately like, no, this sucks. This just sucks. This guy's a fucking idiot. He just Sorry. Say, says a bunch of like wildly speculative stuff that nobody challenges him on because he's just talking to Joe Rogan. And because Joe Rogan clearly has no idea what he's even saying. But he sits up and stares at him very seriously. Yeah, and that's he's what got a serious look on his face. And so the next day yeah, I go to watch like a cooking video on YouTube and there's just like whole recommendation streams of like... John Peterson, John Peterson, John Peterson, John Peterson, John Peterson. Over and over again. John Peterson explains why we shouldn't have women. Women be causing problems. They're chaos dragons. That's right. <laughs> My YouTube recommendations are immaculate. They are all perfect. I'm really? Like, I'm looking at the homepage right now and the recommendations I've got are a 20-minute long video on assembling and painting a 1 to 48 scale military truck. A uh, one hour of home movies from Alaska from 1930, a sleep reunion show from uh, an All Tomorrow's Parties festival, every Hannibal Burris moment from the Eric Andre show, and a 4K one hour long walk around Shibuya in Japan. That sounds lovely. All of it is just, uh, I smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. Oh, look at mine. They're all over the place, I'll tell you that. 
I so, where are we here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you where, didn't have a segue prepared for that? Where did we go? Well, look, that was something that I didn't want to happen, was for my, my YouTube recommendations to become all John <laughs> uh-huh. Peterson all uh-huh. the time. And there's something else that we didn't want to happen in this section, <laughs> which is called... <laughs> this is the one thing we didn't want to happen. I, and I don't want to critique what you've done there. Oh, look, good. Moving on. No, but uh, I will. So- um, <laughs> I don't think you can say, here are two things we didn't want to happen. Here is the segment called The One Thing We Didn't Want to Happen. Well, you see, what we're describing is the one thing that the person in the segment didn't want to happen. I'll allow it. <laughs> now, I don't know if anybody remembers, a little while ago, we <laughs> talked about a, a program that they were doing in the UK called Eat Out to help out. Right. And this was a sort of um, an informal joke nickname that the public gave a government policy. And I'm sure they had like another name for it, right? No, no. This was the um, pussy eating theme (laughs) (laughs) title that they chose to give to a government sponsored program. A scheme, if you will. Maybe that's not what British people call it. They probably call it like... (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Come on. They call it wibbly jubbly. Yeah. (laughs) Sure, oh. something like that. Noshing on my wife's jibblies. <laughs> oh, you know? Christ. They, pro- they probably would. <laughs> no, they um, don't do it. That's yeah, why so they don't have a name for it. That's right, why this doesn't ring do a bell for them. Getting my wife stuck on my head like Mr. Bean. That's <laughs> 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 oh, what happens when you try to do it. Don't try to do it, anyone. <laughs> so, anyway... Um, so this is the thing that we we talked about and we could not stop saying eat out to help out because it's very funny. Um, but the theory was, hey, hey, everybody, come out and have a meal. Get our bloody economy back on track, you know. Forget about that. That virus thing. That's so June. Uh, that that's sounds so, like a great plan to me. I don't know what could have possibly gone wrong here. So months ago. Uh, let's get everybody out there. This is from Sky News here. The Eat Out to Help Out scheme caused a, quote, significant rise in new coronavirus infections, a new study has suggested. Oh, boy. You don't Mm -hmm. say. According to the University of Warwick, the sharp increase in COVID-19 infection clusters emerged a week after the scheme began. The government's initiative was designed to boost the economy. Oh, the economy loves to be boosted. After the national lockdown, and it allowed pubs and restaurants to offer heavily discounted meals on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays in August. Research from the university suggested that between 8 and 17% of newly detected infection clusters could be linked directly to the scheme. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, areas where there was a high uptake of eat out to help out also saw a decline in new infections a week after the scheme <laughs> drew to a close. Well, well <laughs> can't really argue with this one. I, look, I admit it looks bad. <laughs> sure. Looks bad on paper. <laughs> <laughs> but on the bright side, I got 20% off a of blood pudding. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was, I was able to get a pint of warm beer for only eight pounds. <laughs> <laughs> beer is expensive in London, am I right, guys? It is. Wouldn't know, never been. Places that experienced high rainfall around lunch and dinner time ended up seeing lower infection rates than areas that enjoyed nicer weather. Restaurants that participated in Eat Out to Help Out saw increase in visits of between 10 and 200% compared with the same period in 2019, but academics concluded that the economic benefits of the scheme were short-lived. So, like, they're saying not only were the, was this, like, that they were restoring sort of levels... Because, like, the idea, right, is that, you know, uh, restaurants and stuff doing bad because of COVID. So you would kind of want to get get them back to a pre-COVID normal. But they were dramatically busier than they were under normal circumstances during a pandemic. That sounds hmm. bad to me. That's not good. It doesn't sound good. <laughs> Dr. Tiemo Fetza said the scheme, quote, contributed to community transmission and the acceleration of the second wave. Oh, boy. He told Sky News, the UK saw a massive explosion of cases in a way that was not seen in other countries. 
It's that scheme that has helped to bring about an earlier second lockdown and restrictions on the restaurant sector that it was determined to help economically. Ah, that well, is the one thing you didn't want to happen, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yep. We thought we were helping the economy. You gotta get a small infection to help out the economy. That's right. I, something that baffles me about all of this, right, the coronavirus, is that there is so many people that are in positions of power or in, like, big uh, sort of important media positions or whatever, uh, people with big platforms, people like your Adam Creightons and your whatnot and then big politicians that are doing sort of anti-lockdown stuff where the common sense position here immediately on first glance you go, oh, well, we should shut this down to try and stop the virus. And these people that have access to so many more experts and so much more resources and everything are like, no, 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 um, we're, we're just going to push through it. It'll be fine. Don't even worry about it. And then this happens. And it mm. turns out the common sense thing was entirely correct. Even for the economy, because you have, again, made the economy worse by having to have another lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. And like the fucking, the longer you need to keep your country locked off because you've completely fucked your response means you've completely lost tourism, you know, mm-hmm. like... Uh, you've completely lost population growth from immigration as well. Like, it's just so fuck-eyed. And it just, like, keeps happening where you're just like... Like, with Sweden, how they've had to move into, like, a... Because they're weird and Scandinavian. It's not a mandatory lockdown, but they have authorised government bodies to suggest everyone should lock down. But, like, they were being held up as a sort of paragon of why you don't need a lockdown and like uh, last time i checked they've had something like 5000 5900 deaths and they have a population of 10 million compared to us have a population of about 25 million and we've had 900 deaths and also their economy has been hit just as hard and they're going into lockdown now hmm. like we it it just seems like the people that are being uh contrarian on this are insane it's not coming from anywhere i don't fucking get it i'm so confused yeah it um i don't i don't get it i don't know if like for the adam creightons of the world it's it's purely just libertarian brain it's purely just like hey you know being being asked to it's a thing that we've talked about on this podcast a lot which is People whose brains just, like, misfire as soon as there's any form of suggestion of, like, a community or societal or collective effort to do something. Mm. Like, that is the part that's that's the true, that's the true like, um, I don't know, crushing of, of liberty and everything. Whereas, like, you know, we, like, we keep talking about it. Look at America. You know, they've, they've just had their nine millionth case. It is insane to me. Nine million. Yeah, and like the it took them, like the most recent million only took them like a month or something, or is it a month right. and a half? It's a, yeah, so it's so it's like massively accelerated. Not on any decline. Yeah, and so you can look at the the chart of their case, and not only like there is no second wave. This is just the first wave, and it's just going up and up and up and up. And you know, so what do you what do you get if you get COVID, you get to go to hospital and get bankrupted. You know, you get to get fired from your job because you didn't go in for a few days. Or you just have to go into your job with coronavirus. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, is anybody, is anybody like Adam Creighton looking at America and saying, phew, a place that is still free. Yeah, this is what we should be. Don't tread on me. Let the virus tread on my grandma. Mm. And yeah, I mean, obviously we've discussed that particular particularly abhorrent strain of conversation about it which is the hey i think it's about time that we all had a talk about which members of our society are you know expendable Expendable, to make sure that the line line go up stock line go up every line go up people dying economy line all of them just line go up as long as line goes up as long as those numbers keep ticking up we're putting up crazy numbers you know yeah, it's very perplexing. Um, I'm I'm glad that like the the sections of the Australian media that 
seem to be extremely anti this sort of stuff, I guess, uh, maybe I'm wrong here, relatively small. I know that throughout the Victorian lockdown that like uh, the Herald Sun and stuff have been very anti anti Daniel Andrews and mm. Labour and everything, but they're always very anti Labour. And it, it does make me think of um, the Queensland state election. Um, has that happened now? That's, that's done now? Uh, it's been called for Labour. Yeah, so, like, I thought it was interesting reading, um, reading a bit of a recap of the leadership debate, because, which was on fucking Sky News, because, of course, why would you want any citizens to be able to see the two potential leaders that they're voting for, you know, have a debate? Uh, you should have to get a Sky News subscription in order to see that. But, uh, yeah, like, uh, Deb Frecklington, who was the, the Liberal Party opposition leader, had obviously been, you know, hugely critical of Anastasia Palaszczuk for border closures and stuff like that. And she was asked during this thing, okay, what would you be doing differently? And she was like, well, you know, you got to got to try and get things open. But in, in Queensland, it's like legislated that during a public health crisis that the chief health officer says, this is what we're doing, and that's what gets done. Like, it's, it's not a recommendation to the premier mm. or anything like that. Mm. It is just they get to put those policies in place. So the question is, do you either do that the thing that, like, legally you have to do? Or do you, what, disband the, like, chief health officer and get rid of the health department so that you can open everything up? I would have simply suplexed the chief health officer until he did things <laughs> I wanted him to do. That's what they do want to do in America. Get Fauci out of here, you know? Fuck that guy. Get him out of here. But I guess what I'm saying is that, like, I'm, I'm glad that in Australia, like that those conversations are still happening where somebody is able to say, so what, what, what are you proposing to actually be doing differently? I just want to quickly backpedal there. I was just extremely sexist. Our chief health officer is a woman. It's not a man. Wow. Wow. Mm. Wow. Mm. I just did the, I fell afoul of the, uh, actually the doctor was his mother thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, and, and the same thing for Victoria, where like, you know, I'm, I know that there are a lot of things that the Andrews government does that are not great. Um, but I think generally speaking, I know that the lockdown has been very, very hard for a lot of people, but it's kind of hard looking at other places to argue with the results Yeah. as far as containing, um, you know, new cases and everything. And look at the opposition in that state. It's just the liberals going... I'm arranging donuts into the shape of the death count to make you feel bad. I hate the donuts bad. thing so fucking much. And like... The, the Nationals, where they like did the... They did like a press conference and they, they stuck a little Australian flag in the ground for every dead person. And oh, said, these are all gross. the people that you should feel bad about. Yeah, like, I'm sorry you fixed things like, like it's very strange very es- bizarre especially line. when like the they're saying the whole time ah you should feel really bad about this all these deaths are on your hands now we should be in government so that we can completely remove the lockdown mask mandates and all that sort of stuff it's like, yeah like there's certainly mistakes that you can put on dan andrews for how it was dealt with at the start but like how could you argue that they were going to do any better <laughs> Well, yeah, the, the thing that the Liberals have been asking for the whole time is just like, oh, the, the mask mandate and the lockdown is destroying the economy and everybody's lives and they should totally be removed. And then once it got to the point where they could lift the restrictions, the Liberals were like, good on you, Victoria. You have done the right thing. Like, cool. Cool. Enjoy, enjoy being in opposition forever. Because I do not think that they will be coming back anytime soon. Oh, no. Same for Queensland, probably. And Labor just got back in the ACT. So where's where's is it just New South Wales that's the only like state government that's the Liberal Party now? Couldn't tell you. Couldn't. I don't know anything oh. about most of the states in this tell country. I don't really pay attention. Yeah, that's fair. So eating out did not help. Out. Eating out 
did not help out. Toby Phillips, executive director of the Oxford COVID-19 response tracker at the Blavatnik School of Government, said the findings were credible and aligned with his previous work looking at the surge in restaurant visits during the Eat Out to Help Out scheme. He added, quote, The Eat Out to Help Out scheme was part of a general package of policy and communications over the summer that encouraged people to go out and adopt a back-to-normal mindset. That creates this whiplash when one month you're being told to get out there, have confidence, go back to business, back to normal, and the next month there's a new tier scheme being put in place. He told Sky News the pendulum swing was not conducive to encouraging the kind of behavior needed to live with the virus long term. We should not subsidize people to gather indoors, he said. (sighs) Yep. Earlier this month, Boris Johnson admitted Eat Out to Help Out may have contributed to the rise in COVID-19 cases. Oopsies. Whoops. 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 Sorry. Sorry. That's just silly stuff. And and yeah, I think like the other parallel to draw with um, Victoria having had the, the most cases and the strictest lockdown and everything is like, uh, I think it would have been harder for people if they had have said, okay, the cases have gone down a bit, so let's reduce all the restrictions and everyone go hog wild. And then they went back up and they were like, okay, restrictions are coming back in. And this this pendulum swing, the seesawing back and forth between opening stuff up and locking it down, all that kind of thing. I think like you could definitely see towards the end that a bunch of people were starting to go nuts and get out and do like the big maskless protests and that kind of thing. But I think I think it's probably it's probably easier to get people to maintain it for longer if if you can see that the goal is to reduce cases to like you know single digits and mm-hmm. say okay now we can start to gradually open things up instead of just and now we pretend that there is no virus mm-hmm. everybody go out to dinner go out for your potatoes and beans yep there's one new case in canberra it was just an old guy who came back from traveling overseas. <laughs> Some mm. old. Didn't seven- have to go into hotel quarantine. You motherfucker. Huh. Some 70-year-old diplomat who came back and went, whoops. <laughs> Oopsies. Oopsies. Well, I think that's it for us, folks, for this week. Um, do not eat out to help out. Don't. No. Try to help out where possible, but choose another method than eating out. That's Unless right. This podcast to... is against eating out. Yeah, we're anti-eating out. Uh, eat in to help. Hmm. Mm. Unless we'll, you we'll are at an that. airport in the bathrooms with someone else's wife, in which case you may eat out. That's eat out to help out disgusting. somebody's <laughs> wife. My goodness, that poor guy. Uh, yeah, getting <laughs> getting hassled at his job because the NRL drugged him to calm his rage. <laughs> Just <laughs> awful. Unluckiest man alive. Oh boy. <sighs> well, R.I.P. to that guy's marriage. Yeah. And we will see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.